All right, so we wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about our uh, thought experiment, basically, called uh, Formula Unlimited, which is basically, I don't know, we looked at how regulations in Formula One, I mean, probably basically since its inception, the regulations have just grown and grown over time, and they stack on top of each other. And that can get stifling after a while, right? And so we're basically trying to think about what would a series look like that really tailors back those regulations so that you have basic, I don't know, open wheel design, maybe open cockpit, maybe, and safety requirements, but then that's it, right? Like you, you, you can use whatever kind of fuel you want, whatever kind of engine you want, you can design your car however you want and just... I don't know. It's just just playing around with the idea of what that might look like. So, Dan, what do you think that might look like? Hey, Matt. Hey. Well, this is an interesting idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, uh, you know, it seems like, I, I guess the concern that we've had and what we've seen lately is that we seem to be progressing slowly but surely more toward a spec series in Formula One where the cars yeah. are virtually the same. Like like an indie car and yeah you know, we're still a ways out from where indie is but you know we're we are trending in that direction so. sure ab- yeah absolutely that that is the trend and yeah. it, you know it, it seems to be you know like my concern is that at one point in time Formula One was the pinnacle of innovation mm, and yeah you know I think there's a um, you know there's the that re- regulation tends to limit innovation so that's you know they're like opposites yeah so you know the the more you regulate something you're limiting innovation at the same time you know yeah that's true yeah so and and that's that's the concern is that at one point in time formula one and we've talked about you know the advances in safety and even uh, performance that have come from formula one and now they're in the road car world Mm -hmm. yeah even things like carbon fiber brakes you don't see that a lot now but you will in the future and they're on the high-end supercars or hypercars but but they'll um eventually you know i can see carbon fiber brakes being a thing in any kind of performance car so Mm -hmm. And I I think we both kind of missed those, that era of like the 60s or 70s, where it was like they had some regulations, but it was, hey, if you can come up with a better design, let's see it, you know? Yeah. And then, and, and then you would compete with the other cars to see if your innovations were faster or not. Yeah. I've, I've watched a lot of old footage from back in the day. I, I think even Formula One, like their, their website where I watch all of the races live and all that, they even have archives of all of those races, or at least like an hour long documentary for mm-hmm. the whole season. And they'll, they'll kind of summarize how the season went. Right. And those are fascinating. I highly recommend them. They're they're great. Oh yeah. And I went back and I watched some of them from the '60s, and you get these wacko cars that are like I don't know. There's this gigantic like bookshelf of a of a rear wing on some of them, and you're just like, <laughs> this is just it's wild, and it's it's fun, it's exciting because like nobody knew what was better, and everybody was just trying everything, and that was cool. Exactly. Well, there were cars that, you know, in order to reduce the uh, footprint of the tires themselves, there were cars that had four front tires. Yeah, yeah. Tiny front tires in the front. I think it was Tyrrell that had that car. Yeah. In like the early 80s. And it was also, you know, and to be honest, during that era, they did the same thing in indie cars, believe it or oh, not. Oh, true. One, yeah, yeah. At one point in time, indie cars were innovative like that. Yeah. And it was basically, hey. You know, run what you brung. You know, there yeah. there were some and people. So the engineers, the focus of engineering was within some simple limitations. How can we make the fastest car? Mm-hmm. And it's simply not going in that direction anymore. And so you see the the focus and in innovation has changed from like strictly speed and engineering and downforce to things like sustainability. Which there's something to be said for, but when you are the the regulating body that is mandating. For example, the engines, right? The the power units. They designed and mandated the 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 power units that they that need to be used. And then because they're super expensive and resource intensive, they're regulating how many you're allowed to use in a year. It's like like bro, well, what are you, you doing? Know, you know the funny thing is even the word you just used, you use their terminology saying power unit because yeah, they want true. us 
They want us to see internal combustion engines and electronic engines as interchangeable, and they're both called power units, or it's called a power unit. Or are we putting are we putting our tinfoil hats on already? No, is no, that... no, no. But I'm <laughs> saying that that is a change that's come over in the last few years. That's true. That's true. Um, you know, the power unit was always assumed to be internal combustion, and now they've changed the definition of true. power unit to include electronic engine. You know, where previously they would. They would point just say out, engine, you know, right? Yeah, you had a power unit and you had an electronic engine or something. So yeah, um, and it, the, it, not that that's good or bad. I'm not judging it, but I'm just saying that that in and of itself is representative of the kind of regulation, the changes that come through regulation. You, you know, that's a fair point. I hadn't considered that. So yeah, it's it's um, but it's something I'm aware of because obviously. You know, you heard the term power unit long before there were EVs. Mm. And then, you you know, and I kind of watched that term come into Formula One. And, and I was just aware that, oh, they're using it interchangeably now. How interesting. So, mm, yeah. Um, but anyway, but that's the, you know, so I think you and I were speculating, you know, the concern was, well, at some point, as the regulations increase and the cars become similar to a spec series car, or the closer they get to that, there is the potential that innovation, not so much in safety, but in um, you know terms of like uh, engineering advances, you know, that that things are going to deteriorate, and then Formula One will not be where the primary engineering. It, it's a concern. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but it's right. going to be that you know the for, Formula One is not going to be where automotive engineering advances are made anymore, and and I see that as a it's a change, and I don't like it to be no. honest <laughs> no because f1 has always been the standard it's like it's they they call themselves the pinnacle of motorsport for right. a reason because they have been for 50 60 70 years now i guess so yeah like that, that's what it's been and yeah yeah i just we we just i just fear and i i'm pretty sure that you you share this opinion that that if it keeps going in the direction that it's going right you know it's it's not going to be as exciting. There won't be as much innovation. And and I'm not saying that regulation doesn't have its place and on. And of course, on, but but it does limit things. You know, for example, there was a point in time where trades were not licensed. You know, if you knew how to do plumbing, you could sell yourself as a plumber, mm. and nobody thought twice about it. But then eventually, over time. Not necessarily for bad reasons, but you know, you had the government get involved in licensing vocations. Sure. And then you have to be licensed to do X, Y, Z. And that wasn't always the case. So, and, 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 you know, anytime you do that, you limit things, you increase costs, you know, in, in the, in terms of, you know, what the people who have the vocation, they have to get licensing. So they charge more for what they do on and on and on. And, but it, it reduces, it complicates things sometimes necessarily. So, in order to combat this, we had a thought experiment or, you know, I'll call it a fantasy <laughs> where we thought, hey, what if there's a Formula Unlimited series yeah. where you have minimal regulations? You know, I realize from a, a racing point of view, like a pure racing point of view, you have to have some uh, limitations. For example, weight. Um, oh sure, and, and, yeah. Wait, and, and wait, wait's under the category of safety, but you don't want a three thousand pound car running into a twelve hundred pound car, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that's going to be dangerous. So, yeah, can you imagine the like supercars or or the bigger GT cars racing in the same category as like Miatas? I mean, right. that that would not exactly <laughs> be the safest thing to do, right? So. <laughs> And largely due to weight and size. So I, I've got a one ton Ram diesel right now that weighs pretty much 8,000 pounds. Oh, jeez! And, and I guarantee you, if I T-bone any supercar made on the road right now, I'm going to win. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, right? just by, yeah. by sheer weight, you know, yeah. I, I had a, I had a friend that was uh, involved in the California highway patrol. And I asked him, hey, you know, do you have a, any tips for us motorists out there staying safe? He goes, yeah, but my rule of thumb is whoever has the most lug nuts wins. <laughs> and yeah. My truck has eight per wheel right now. So in my, my Toyota Tacoma had five and my daughter has a car that has four. So oh, no. and it's a little, a little Toyota, you know, oh, Corolla. No. So it's like, uh, uh, I told my daughter, you need more lug nuts. <laughs> yeah. 
but you know, it's kind of a jocular way of making a point, you know, that so in Formula sure. One, obviously, you know, to get back to point, that would we would have to have cars that that come in at a very similar weight ratio. But other than that, you know, if you wanted to have a V10, have a V10, yeah. a V12, a V6 turbocharged. But I don't like, you know, like the regulations that, and of course, this is unfortunately coming into the uh, passenger car world, but you mm. have everybody and their brother now is producing a twin turbocharged V6 as opposed to a V8, you know. Oh, weird. Yeah. And it's like, I have nothing against V6s, but a V8 is naturally going to have more power. You don't have to turbocharge a V8, but a V6, if you want it to be as fast as a high-performance V8, you have to add a turbo. Sure, you know, some, yeah. Which makes the engine work harder and, in theory, will reduce you know reliability reliability yeah over time well but let's be honest though if if you wanted to run in this thought experiment right if you had a v6 with turbos and i had a v8 i'm also slapping turbos on that like because of course i would <laughs> like, yeah i was talking more in the passenger car world well fair you know, but, but but people don't keep cars as long as they used to so there are some of those things going on but but sure. in, in a racing format sure you know it'd be interesting i don't know what they did for turbocharging or air ram air type systems on like a v10 or something they probably had them but you know right, right now we're in the v6 twin you know turbocharge mode and that's fine you know i it kind of reflects what's going on in the real world but sure again you know there is this juxtaposition between innovation and regulation and where our concern is that again the fia is going to go to a to a spec car for formula one which i think would just kill innovation and be really boring yeah and and so we're but that's that's the that's kind of an exaggeration of where it could go so we're going to exaggerate the other direction yeah <laughs> and say what if we had a formula unlimited series like would it be popular yeah i think it would be i think it would be a popular series i think it would yeah and in in the same way that i don't think formula one will ever get to an actual spec series i also don't think that formula unlimited would actually happen but i would support it fully if it actually tried so <laughs> but well, exactly yeah exactly and i i think the same thing could in theory be true for any sport you know like you have the nfl and the major league baseball and i don't know about nhl or basketball because i don't follow those but but it seems like you know like for example in baseball they keep changing you know there's an assumption that the game is too slow so they keep mm. making these really weird rule changes to speed it up like if you get an extra innings you start the inning with a man on second you know that's so weird yeah it's like are they fixing a problem or are they are they fixing something that isn't broken right and then how can you compare statistics from in baseball from one season to another when you have these changes like that yeah and most purists fans of the sport are just like quit messing with it we like it the way it is you know you might be bored but we like yeah. it you know yeah so what kinds of things would we be seeing in a formula unlimited series because we talked about size right so and, and weight so we don't want that too much but what if and, and engines we, we mentioned that too but like what if one what if you wanted to design a car that had really large wheels in the back and really small ones in the front. Like you could do that if you'd think that sure. was effective. If you, if, if your wind tunnel testing showed that it worked. And the other thing is you should not have limited wind tunnel testing. You should let, them, Oh yeah. Now you would need some kind of a cost cap. I think but yeah. it would be more generous than formula one. Yeah. I think you would have to have a cost cap because then you would just have people just, you know, slapping money at the problem and solving the problem. Right. And yeah, and so it's in just theory. in theory, right? And so it's kind of just like whoever can outspend the other. So in order to keep that in check, I, I would think, yeah, a cost cap would probably be the way to go. But beyond that, just like, you know, just do whatever you want. If you want to spend your, all right. your money on wind tunnel time or, or making a new engine for every race or whatever, like go for it, you know? Well, it's hard to say what we would wind up with because we haven't seen this in motorsports for a couple True. decades now. True. But we might get some real amazing innovation like somebody could run an all-electric car if they found a way to do it that you would know? last for an entire race fair enough yeah 
And they might come up with a really clever way to where they went into the pits, they could change the entire battery pack in like three seconds or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Who knows? You know? Yeah. So it's not like it would outlaw. It's it's not like we're pining away for the internal combustion unit, but it's like. Sure. Now, weight would be an issue with that, though, because batteries weigh a whole lot. Right. And so if you're doing all of the power on electric, that would weigh you a whole lot. You would sacrifice other parts of the car right, or something. Right. You may not be able to do that, but yeah. You know, if somebody wanted to pioneer that and try it, go for it. Like, I think that could be really cool. Absolutely. And yeah. then they could have a smaller internal combustion engine than the yeah. other cars had to offset that. But So here's another potential problem I thought of. How, what would prevent the Formula Unlimited series from getting into the similar kind of situation that F1 got into where the cars had a hard time passing each other because everyone was trying to go for the most optimal downforce, you know, aero stuff, right? So we know that that's super effective. What would get around that? Well, if you remember, if you remember back, the passing issue came into existence as a downstream effect of regulation <laughs> did it it did yeah it didn't exist before they uh you know they had the we had a ground effects era and then they removed that and oh true they did ban the well at the time it was understandable because you had like skirts and stuff and they can break and theoretically injure people so that that was kind of where they were arguing from but you're right the the fact of the matter remains the ground effects were banned and right. so and that's when they went into other things and then that created that led to the passing issue which yeah. led to DRS <laughs> right so then i guess that's the answer so then if you want a car that is able to pass other cars more effectively go to go towards ground effects in a similar way that we currently see in F1 yeah and if you don't don't yeah. but you could it's your choice as a team owner which kind of car you want to design yeah so somebody may have the fastest car, but it, 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 you know, but one of the problems is they don't pass as well. Yeah, and you have a car that it, that passes better, but it's not maybe as fast in the straights. But those are decisions you have to make as a team, like and based on what track you have to have a yeah. car that's modifiable. Um, but there's other things like onboard, you know, that they banned in Formula One that were there. For example. Uh, onboard reconfigurations of front wings and rear wings, you know, oh. prior to DRS, they, they had more adjustments available in suspension and things like active suspension. They had, sure. They had launch control. You could bring back launch control if you wanted it. You could bring back refueling. If, if you wanted to run a car with a smaller fuel tank so that you could use your, your weight limit to do other things, mm. you could come into the pits and refuel, um, which would take more time. Yeah, but it, but it would just it it would create. I'll put it here's what it would do. It would create a whole new host of variables that would eventually sort itself out, and it would be interesting to see where it went. Yeah, and you could have vastly different cars competing with each other for the title, but just based on the way they approached all these variables, you know. Yeah, and I think it would create innovation. Some smart you know adrian newey 2.0 guy would come up with some innovation that's like wow nobody would have ever thought of this yeah because right now the primary innovations and it's been this way for a long time and i don't like it whoever finds a loophole in the current regulations yeah. and finds a way to exploit that yeah they have the fastest car at least for one season yeah and that's what it's turned into it's like it's like an accountant looking for a tax loophole. Yeah. And then eventually the IRS catches on, you know, the Internal Revenue Service or Infernal Revenue Service. But yeah. um, <laughs> but but they catch on and they close the loophole. And, and it's, yeah. But then they find another one. <laughs> yeah, it's always like here's something that the FIA didn't intend but is technically legal. And so that is an exploit that one team or, you know, a hand, small handful are able to utilize to their advantage. And it's just like, is that really where we should be driving our innovation from? Exactly. 
that's the point. Yeah. Is, do we want this loophole exploitation to be the focus, or right. do we want true? It almost becomes a competition of l- lawyers rather than engineers. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> the point. I would rather get back to pure engineering, yeah. pure automotive technology, and get away from all these regulations. Yeah. And then. If a Formula Unlimited series did get formed and was popular, I think the FIA would have to wake up, you know. Mm. Or at least they should do a thing where if you bring a new rule in, you have to get rid of like three other rules. So there's things that you can do that, you know, start to reduce the number of regulations, even though you're keeping up with the future and you're, you know, you're making safety better and things like that. Yeah. There's still ways to reduce them, but it gets to the point where here's, here, here's the, let's do the, uh, the argument where you take it to the point of absurdity. Sure. If this continues, let's just say there's 500 regulations right now governing formula one engineering. Well, in 20 years, there could be 2000 mm. and then there could be 10,000. Then there could be a million. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, at some point it has to stop. Or yeah. the sport's going to become untenable. Yeah. So it will have to stop at some point in time. Logic tells us that. And we're simply saying, I think we're at the point where we need to start like on a bell curve. Yeah. We need to say this was the peak, 2022, maybe, 2023. Yeah. And then from here, we have to get on the other side of the bell curve. We have to start heading downhill at some point. Yeah, I guess that is kind of the takeaway from the thought experiment is if Mm -hmm. there's anything that I would like to see F1 do, I don't necessarily want them to do what we're saying here in the Formula Unlimited per se. I would rather just have them take a long, hard look at their set of regulations and go, okay, what here is actually essential? Yes. And what can we allow the teams to have control over given that there is a cost cap now right because you you there is a, a potential issue where if you don't restrict certain things then one team who can just spend all the money will do that and they just win I mean, that was part of what Mercedes was doing right right the cost cap is like a huge thing the it cost is. cap is huge it for, is. For, for limiting, you know, that way, like for the very reasons you just stated. Yeah. And so so to my mind, it's like, why not? And I know we have mentioned this on episodes before, and we are kind of beating a dead horse to some extent. But it, it the point still stands. It's like if you have a, a cost cap, why are you granularly regulating all of the little decisions that the teams can make? Right. Exactly. So, yeah, well, the horse isn't dead yet. That's why well, I'm still beating on it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> when enough. it dies, they will stop. But yeah. Anyway, as though anybody's listening to us, but I wish they would. Yeah. Because so, <laughs> we're fans. So, one last question then about Formula Unlimited, because yep. you mentioned things like active suspension and other things like that. So would those kinds of things be permissible? And then at what point is it just kind of an automated car and you like, I could drive it and win races, right? Like at (laughs) what point would we get to that? Because at that point, then it seems like the spirit of competition has been lost to some extent. So how would you prevent that? How would you prevent it from going that far? Or would you? Well, I think, I think having the, well, I think one way you do it is per maybe limiting autom- the automation of those things. You know, okay. like you can't program in these changes to occur at each point of each lap of or each section of each track. Mm-hmm. You know that it has to be driver controllable. But see, now we're talking about regulations that we've been railing against. Well, we have to have some. We've admitted that. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Because yeah, well. And to be perfectly honest, in my in my nightmares where I wake up screaming in the middle <laughs> of the night, there are no drivers. The cars are autonomous. Oh, no. Yeah, that's where this could go because in the name of safety, you know, how could we ever risk a life, you know? Yeah, you know, that's interesting. Yeah, to where you ban drivers. And then we just have these automated cars, you know, with nobody in Yeah, I, I wouldn't watch that. No, I wouldn't either. But That wouldn't be interesting. But you can make an argument for it. I think, yeah, okay. Yeah, as its own, that would be just pure engineering. And you would be rooting for an engineering team rather than a driver. Right, because why why risk the life of a driver? But that changes the entire sport fundamentally. Oh, but then you wouldn't have to worry about safety other than the crowd, the observers, right? So you you make sure that's taken care of. But then you could theoretically have cars going... 
300 miles an hour. Stop thinking about this. Somebody in the FIA will hear you. No, I... (laughs) Okay, the more I'm thinking about that, the more that sounds pretty wicked, to be honest. No, I don't like it. I like having the human element. No, not as a replacement. Analog versus digital. Not as a a replacement for F1, but as a different series. That could be cool. Well, maybe in Formula 1 Unlimited, you can have an autonomous car. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) No. You know, no, yeah. but you have to have a driver. So there's, yeah, there's going to be some regulations. And I yeah. think, but getting back to your point, I think, you know, I think if a driver gets too busy messing with his computerized steering wheel, he's not going to be as good of a driver. So there, there's true. going to be a built-in human limit to that at some point. Yeah, I would just, I just would want to prevent a potential scenario where like I could hop in a car and because of the car, I could beat a Max Verstappen or a Lewis Hamilton, right? That should never yeah. in a million years happen. No, no, no. And I don't think it, I don't, honestly don't think it would because yeah. even now there's just, there's so few people that make it to Formula One. Yeah. And we look at, like, if you look at a driver, like, uh, honestly, um, uh, Latifi is an excellent driver. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Could, there's no way we could compete with, with him in any, given sport or track yeah. that involves motorsports, but yet he he is no longer in Formula One because he didn't reach that higher pinnacle of performance. He wasn't good enough for the elite of the elite. Yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he's a bad player. I'll put it this way. Like yeah. um where I used to live they had a uh like a professional baseball team, but it was like triple A. Okay. And I thought, okay, this will be fun to watch. It's gonna be like kind of like watching a college baseball game. No way. Dude, these guys were amazing. Really? Yeah. You look at the arms on these guys. They could could throw a ball from the, you know, edge of the outfield to home plate like it was nothing. And you saw them taking batting practice. Wow. And I've been to a lot of professional games and it's like, wow, there's not much difference between these guys and the pros. And it shocked me. But yet, none of these guys made it to the big show, as they say in baseball. Mm. So... There is uh, there is a line that you know separates the the people that make it to Major League Baseball and the guys that are still you know that it maybe were there temporarily mm-hmm. now they're back in Double A Triple A whatever mm-hmm. but the, the 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 level of athleticism in, in those other categories um, is amazing compared to like what you see in high school or college baseball sure. so yeah. And I think the same thing is true in Formula One. So the drivers are very, very, very integral to the sport, you know, to yeah. get back to the point. And I think that we have to have drivers. I think the chances of you or I being able to drive a car like those guys, no matter how much automation they had, if, if there's any user input, we, we would never make it. No, no, for sure. <laughs> I just, again, it's the argument ad absurdum or whatever the term is, the the using sure, sure. using an extreme as a point to make a point. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's what I was yeah. But yeah. I, I think it would be it would be fun to have I think what this just shows is that there are fans like us that are yearning for less rules and more fun and more team innovation, more innovation, less regulation. And that if there's any message, you know, to put on a bumper sticker for the FIA, it's like <laughs> less regulation, more innovation. Yeah. You know, like just quit. Stop. And so, do you know what happened this last week? In terms of our 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 uh, who we would like to be our friend. Oh yes, yes. Our friend. Are you you talking about the Andretti situation? No, no, no. Oh, oh, Peter Windsor. Peter Windsor. Yeah, the guy who we both uh, respect and admire. Yes, he had one of his live streams. He does those. Uh, pretty frequently. Right. And I actually asked him a question about the whole regulation situation, and he agreed with me. So <laughs> I'm going to use that as a barometer of <laughs> word, word. Well, I'm not surprised that he did. Yeah. Because he's been following Formula One longer than I have. Yeah. And he's he knows what it once was and where it is now. So, yeah. it, but your point is, I assume, if a guy like Peter Windsor agrees. Yeah. That, yeah, unfortunately, I don't see regulations slowing down or getting better, but it would be nice if it did. That means something. Not not to speak for Mr. Windsor, but... (laughs) No, his almost direct quote was, there was a particular topic being discussed, and that's completely irrelevant. But his almost direct quote was, 
if a team wants to do that, let them. Agreed. And I was like, yes, thank you. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So anyway. Absolutely agree with that. So yeah, they want, and and that's the point, like get back to more fun, more variables, more racing, more competition, more strategy. Yeah. If you want it to be more interesting and just keep the regs to a minimum, that should be their like mission statement. Yeah. Their mission statement should be, we only bring in additional regulations if absolutely necessary, and you have to have a majority opinion, and mm. there has to be a really good reason for it, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, and I think maybe the teams should have more of an input on those regulations as well, because right now, yes. they're like one-third of the argumentation, and so the other two-thirds, F1 and the FIA, they can just overrule them. And so yeah, to in me, theory, in theory, that's true. But if you have the top primary teams, like if you have Mercedes, Red Bull or Ferrari that are screaming about something and they have a lot of that, that's true. That's scenes. true. Yeah. So I think it's just the way it is politics. But all right. So you mentioned Andretti. So do you want to broach <laughs> that topic briefly? And yes, then... I would love to talk. So it kind of cracks me up. If you look at YouTube videos, as we do, just following all things. Formula yeah, <laughs> one, that that's a category that you have to look at. Yeah. Um, if you if if you remember last year following Abu Dhabi, <laughs> dare I bring this up again? Oh, but, no. <laughs> but the uh, the speculation all off season was, is Lewis Hamilton going to retire? He's going to retire. And yeah. Hamilton announces retirement. Just pure Shocking. clickbait nonsense. But it was <laughs> what it was like wall to wall. Lewis all played off-season. around with him. He would actually make statements that could yeah. be contrived. That way. He, he had a kick. I think he got a kick out of it. He probably was having a little bit of fun with that. And, yeah. and you and I talked about it, and I'm we're like, no, he's not going to retire, guys. Yeah. You know, he's contracted through 2023. You know, yeah. So don't worry about it. He's got at least two more years, and you know. And we just kind of laughed about it. Well, now the thing is, Andretti, is Andretti going to get in? Andretti's happy. He made it. He's not happy. He didn't make it. They have the, all the teams hate Andretti. <laughs> yeah. So there was one video title that came up in, in my recommended, right? And the title was Confirmed. Andretti's <laughs> plans are you know made clear or whatever. And I before I clicked on it, I went and to to look up actual news on it and nothing yes. was confirmed. They were just like, right. "Hey, here's our plans." But like that it was still up to the FIA and and Formula 1 and all that. And like literally nothing was confirmed. And I was just like, <laughs> "Okay, well there's a channel that I'm not following anymore." <laughs> well, I, I wasn't following them to begin with, but Well, they're doing the same thing with Daniel Ricardo. You know, oh, go, sure. <laughs> Red Bull makes shocking announcement with Daniel Ricardo yeah. and it shows him back when he's wearing a Red Bull uniform, you know. Yeah. And so it's like, "Oh, what happened? Who's leaving the team? Maybe yeah. Checo's not there anymore." Uh, you know, but they're just yeah, yeah, that kind of we we've made comments about how dumb these things are getting. They all have insane shocking, you know, drops a bomb, you know, all this. So is are, are you saying that basically this off season the the Lewis Hamilton is retiring topic is the Andretti joining F1 is that That that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, that, yeah. that seems to be that seems to be the thing that's driving the videos, yeah. you know, for the last couple of weeks. And but here's here's the gist. It's like you have Mohammed bin Salim, if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, the new president of the FIA who by all accounts, I like what he's doing so far. You know, he he's in favor of bringing Andretti Motorsports, or as they'll rebrand themselves, Michael has said it's Andretti Global, Michael Andretti. Yeah. But, but you know, he's in favor of it. They're in favor of, ex- in theory, of expanding the teams. And even Total Wolf and the other guys have, and, and primarily it's Total Wolf, a little bit Christian Horner, not as much, and maybe Ferrari has been more vocal about Andretti because they're afraid he's going to take away, you know, like prize money. And yeah, but the, uh, it's kind of funny. The other vocal voice has been Gunter, Gunter Steiner, is, you know, the Haas guy. And it's like, and I know why he's complaining because they didn't win a race. Mm. They haven't won a race yet. And if Andretti comes in there, I can almost guarantee you they would be on the podium in the first year or two. And it would and it would make Haas look even worse. So. That's true because Haas <laughs> is claiming to be an American team, and right. their headquarters technically are in America, but they do most the, of their like research and and or their R and D and development and stuff is like 
in Italy, I think. Um, yeah, that I'm maybe not Italy, but it's in Europe somewhere. It's but the other the other huge thing is sponsorship, and they realize that if Andretti Motorsports come or Andretti Global comes into Formula One, there is a concern that they're going to get the primary American sponsors for American corporations, and then that would limit Haas's you know ability to tap into those same resources. So yeah, but again, this is competition. This is the way Formula One goes. It's a very competitive sport. And Haas yeah. is not a competitive team, and Andretti Global would be. So I understand why Guter is upset about it. But at the same time, I think here's what I think about it: the teams like Total Wolf and those guys. The reason they're complaining about it is they know Andretti would be competitive. Mm. It's not so much that they don't want to lose the purse money because most of these teams have so much money that's not like a huge concern. It is a concern, but. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, here's like Total Wolf has his hands full right now trying to beat Red Bull and Ferrari. Mm -hmm. But if you bring Andretti Global in there within a year or two, there's going to be another team they're competing with. And, Mm -hmm. And he fully expects to get back to the dominance that they had previously with Lewis. And and so, uh, yeah, of course, you know, he's going to, from a competitive standpoint, he's going to argue against Andretti coming into Formula One because mm-hmm. they would be competitive. So but it, it, and the thing is, when they when these teams, they say, well, we should expand where we're not against expanding the grid. So they they can't use that argument, mm. but they want these little bitty teams coming in that can barely afford to be there knowing that they're not going to be competitive. Oh, that's a good point. Exactly. Yeah, that's my point. It's like, well, they never complain about the little guys. I I don't think Total Wolf or anyone else would even hint at the reason being they don't want the competition, right? Oh, no. They would would give lip service to the, oh, we we want competition in F1. That's what F1's all about, right? But secretly, obviously... If you're one of the top three teams, you're not going to want someone to come in who could disrupt that. And so, yeah, yeah it's, that it's makes gonna, sense. Like Haas, Haas would be worried about that. Williams would be worried about it. That, I mean, literally uh, everyone Alfa is Romeo. because e- even even if like the first couple of years, Andretti Global is a kind of, you know, back middle of the pack sort of team, you're still taking points and sponsorship opportunities and prize money and all that from away from those other teams. So it's like, well, and there's another thing you have, you know, like you have Audi that's buying the Sauber Alfa Romeo. Mm-hmm. And so that, that team is going to be in a couple of years, also competitive. Uh, true. It'll, it'll theoretically, take longer. But, yeah. but if you throw Andretti into that mix as well, and he has the backing of Cadillac because yeah. they're, you know, they've morphed from strictly luxury into luxury performance. And mm-hmm. they're, and they're and they uh, increase their performance platform, you know, like their offerings every year. So they're they're kind of turning into the American performance car, which you know who would have guessed that twenty years ago, right? Right. <laughs> but you know, so yeah, I I think it's I think it's just a fear of competition. Mercedes mm-hmm. wants to be number one, and so I'm sure he's being told by the uppity ups at Mercedes, like, hey, don't just accept this complaint about it. Find a reason. Yeah. So his original reason to complain was that he they didn't have the backing of a sponsor and you know, like a like an uh, an engine sponsor and so Michael Andretti went out and got an agreement from General Motors Cadillac. Oh yeah. Then they started complaining about something else. Right. <laughs> There's always something. Yeah. Well, and and you're you're naming Total Wolf specifically, but like uh, like the same could apply to to both Red Bull and Ferrari as well. I'd imagine, like they might not it, be it as seems vocal. Like Total's been but... the most vocal. Like, yeah, I, nothing against him. I understand why he's doing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm not. You know, I had a Mercedes. I'm not anti Mercedes <laughs> right. at all. But I love their cars. But you yeah. know, it's it's just one, one of those things. You know that you know it's. Here's here's the to get to the end of the thought here. I believe that Andretti Global will be in Formula One as an eleventh or twelfth or whatever team they are when they come in in the next couple of years. I'd say within two years they're going to be there. It could be twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five, maybe twenty twenty six, but they will be there. Okay, and and I think it's going to be within the next two years. So no matter what you see on the YouTube videos, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be there. 
And the other thing they were complaining about is Michael like being public with this, but he gets asked about it. You know, that's that, true. He's he's got all these motorsports journalists putting a microphone in his face every day. Going, that's true. There was there was some criticism about how public he's been, and it's like, well, yeah, he has been public, but like people have been asking. Like <laughs> that's a fair point. Everyone's been asking him about it. So what's he going to do? Not take interviews? Like he's a he's the head of a racing team. He's not like holding press conferences. Like yeah, he's the president or something. You know, yeah. it's a current topic, so people are interested. You know, yeah, we're interested. And frankly, I think it would be great for the sport to bring in. I would love to yeah. see what they do. What's because... a more American name than Andretti? Yes, it, which is kind of funny because it's Italian. I know, but right. <laughs> but <laughs> when it comes to American motorsports, that is yeah. the pinnacle. Andretti is the pinnacle. Yeah. Mario, especially, was he's just, you know, very, very well respected and you know, yeah, in this in this country. You know, his name was synonymous. I know when I was a kid, you know, like you'd if you're driving with somebody and they were going really fast, you go, Hey, slow down there, Mario. <laughs> you know, it was like Xerox, you know, yeah. like meant, meant copy, no matter which brand of machine was making copies, like give me a Xerox, you know, when back in the day, people would say that. And, but it's like, yeah, Mario is racing. Andretti yeah. is racing. Now what's interesting is Mario only, he did win the formula one world championship once. True. And Michael went to Formula One briefly and was not successful. Not particularly, so, yeah. As drivers, the Andrettis have a very minimal history of success in European racing. True. Now Mario did; he had much more success in the twenty-four hour of Le Mans than he than he did with Formula One, and he raced True. there more, you know, quite a bit. And of course, but, in Indy, I think he won three championships, maybe four, uh, several. So, oh, you mean IndyCar, not the Indy Five Hundred, but yeah, yeah, the he had the, the Andretti, yeah, Andretti curse, racing. Of course. Yeah, they've, but, yeah, they've done very well in in the in this in the general sport. Yeah, you know, they've had the heartbreak of the Indy 500. They're like cursed there, but and then and you have Marco Andretti, and there'll be other ones coming up. Marco's in his 40s now, believe it or not. Yeah, you know, yeah. So it, I, but I think they know how to race, mm -hmm. and the, and when it comes to open wheel racing, they are the primary name in America by far. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, so yeah. I. I I would love to see them enter Formula One. I would like to see who sponsors them. I'd like to see what their car looks like. I would love to see yeah. them. And with and the other thing is with Formula One expanding in America, this is almost a given yeah. that FIA or Liberty Media would want a team like Andre. What would bring more interest in America? You would have so many people in America that are yes. You know, they keep up with Indy or NASCAR passively. They're not like mega fans. But then when they hear that, oh, there's a race in Miami that's, you know, and I'm I'm on the East Coast, right? And, oh, there's a race in Miami and Andretti is racing in F1. Wait, what's that about? Now I'm interested. Right. You know, like. Oh, absolutely. You know, because you want to see how they're going to do. Yeah. And it, and it is news. And I think. You know, like how they say in, in politics, like, you know, all news is good news, even if it's against you, you know, you're sure. getting attention. And so I think this is good for the sport, even though it's kind of crazy yeah, right, right now. But this is all good. It's good for Andretti. We're talking about it. Everybody on YouTube's talking about it. So it's a good thing. Yeah. And and he'll get there. It's not like he's just going to walk away and go, oh, darn, they didn't want me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, he's already he's already spending millions on a new facility that he's yes. making building specifically for F1. So it's like he's in. He's he's committed and he'll he'll wear them down eventually. <laughs> yeah, and he's pledged so. the 200 million dollar entry fee to get into Formula. Yeah, though there was some talk of they might ask for more than that from him and it's like Well, again, that comes from the other big teams. That was something that yeah. I believe Mr. Wolf suggested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's it's like honestly, I'm sure he'll scrounge the money together. I'm sure he'll find if I'm sure he's willing to meet whatever they'll ask. I'm that that seems to be the case. Yeah, as long as they apply that rule to any team who would enter, right, and not just which, them. Yeah, which they won't. Well, so it will stay at two hundred million. Yeah, <laughs> it might increase for inflation, but it's not going to be. They're they're not going to tax Andretti specifically. Yeah, let's put it that way. So 
And but again, I I think the biggest encouraging thing I have with this is number one, they're competitive. Number two, they're American. Formula One's getting more popular here again, mm-hmm. and um and they have they have Ben Slam on their side. That's the president of the FIA. So I I think at yeah. that point, you, you know, you can kind of read the tea leaves. It doesn't take a leap of you know yeah. I'm I'm looking at this going, yeah, no problem, yeah. it'll happen. Now, it may not, but I think it will. So to make things interesting, I, I also think they'll get in eventually, right? But to make things interesting, yeah. I'll bet you a beer that they don't, so. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I love a free beer. All right. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, hey, and I was going to say, if now, you know, th- these are interesting subjects that we've talked about with the uh, Formula Unlimited and Andretti. So I know you guys out there all have an opinion. You may be shouting at your iPod right now or your yeah. iPhone or whatever you have. But if you wanted to reach us and give us your opinion, we will read it in a future recording. So I can be reached at dan at withmyuncle.com or matt, M-A-T-T, at withmyuncle.com. Tell us what you think. Give us your opinions, and we will include you in a future recording. Absolutely, yeah. So so in other news, there was, uh, we covered this a little bit earlier, Mattia Bonato stepped down from Ferrari, right? And he was replaced with Frederick Vasseur from Sauber Alfa Romeo. And so I was just kind of wanting to get your take on how you think that'll play out for Ferrari. Do you think that's a revolutionary change or do you think that's just kind of going to be par for the course and they'll probably do about the same as they did last year? Well, what, what do you, what do you kind of make of that, that shift? I, I honestly, my, okay. I, I, I'll start by saying, I don't know a lot about Vasseur, but I know that Bonanno, not, not to, I don't mean to be critical of him. I'm sure he's really good at what he does, but we saw the problems last year with strategy. Mm-hmm. We saw that they had a focus on computers and numbers, and they mm-hmm. you know, they weren't as aware of on-track performance in real time as they should have been. They had some really, I mean, re- repeated stupid strategy things last year. They, you know, I tried to put off your uh, labeling them a clown show, and I had to stop <laughs> and agree. And, you know, they, so yeah. at some point, you know, which I hate doing because I love Ferrari. But I, hate, I love them, too. But they were a clown show. <laughs> and then they kind of got better toward the end of the season, which is good. Yeah. But they did go through a very bad period before the summer break there. Yeah. And well, but here's the thing. Uh, I know that. um that Charles Leclerc has a very positive relationship with Vasseur. So I yes. think this is a nod to him. Yes. He may have been frustrated with Ferrari and he's got to look at his career. Cause you know, you only have so many years in formula one where you're really competitive. And if you're going to start winning championships, he's got to do it now. Yeah. So I think, um, I think the Leclerc probably recommended the guy. I'm sure he was involved in negotiations yeah. in the background and, and I think that Bonato, you know, whatever he's good at, it wasn't running the team. I don't think he brought the yeah. excitement, the leadership. There's a certain amount of charisma and and character yes. that needs to be present as a leader. And I don't think he is that temperament, right? You do see that with Total Wolf and Christian Horner and exactly. even like Zach Brown and, and, you know, these other and Gunter Steiner, of course, maybe yes. for not the best of reasons but you know he's still he's one of these they're they're all all of those guys are these these charismatic get the team together leaders and right. Bonato doesn't seem to be that temperament which we've mentioned he was before not that guy even yeah. in, in remember remember when he said well you know our goal wasn't to you know win right. the championship this year so it's like dude you just don't say things like no any yeah any at any rate i could so yeah he he just yeah. didn't have the vision and you're right the personality the leadership skills yeah. i think we had we've talked about that a little bit in yeah. the past so and i think Vasur, i assume that he's going to fill the gap he's going to be more yeah uh, he's going to have better leadership skills he knows how to run a team He's going to come in there and he's going, I think it's good. I think it will appear to be revolutionary, but I think they're finally getting a legit team principle. So yeah. I, I think it's going to be beneficial for Ferrari and I predict they have a better season in 2023 than they did in 2022. I mean, that's, I was going to say it's a low bar, but they came second. So that's not that low of a bar, but you right. know, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because you have, Again, I don't know too much about Vasur, but what I have seen of him has been positive. There haven't been any controversies surrounding him that I can think of. There haven't been any like yeah. 
you know, questionable things he's done with the team. Right. But and honestly, quite the contrary. Uh, Sauber Alfa Romeo, as long as he's been there for, I think, five years, six years, somewhere in that range. Okay, 2017, I think, is when he he joined the team. They have made do with very little. They are not one of the most flush with cash teams, and yet they have been competitive, not incredibly competitive, but they've been pretty solid for that whole time. And so he's I I don't know how much of that is his doing, but I imagine it's it's, you know, a decent amount. And so I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I hope that Ferrari is able to be more consistent and not make these strategy blunders that we saw all year. I hope Leclerc is happier there because of, you know, he seemed, he seemed so frustrated there for most of the year. And that was hard to watch. So I don't know. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I, I, I think we're going to be, well, we didn't see the strategy errors from Alfa Romeo's. That is true. <laughs> and, and I think, you yeah. know, they, and initially it looked like, Hey, these guys are going to be more competitive than we thought. And then they had some reliability issues and other things and, you know, that came up, but, but overall, I think if you put a guy like him in charge of a car like Ferrari, I think you're going to get good results. Yeah. So. Yeah. And my guess is since they, decided to make a change they were they were very careful about who they changed to Mm, yeah you know i wonder i wonder if they picked him specifically for leclerc because i imagine leclerc was incredibly frustrated i mean jeez like do we even need to mention you know monaco silverstone like the the list goes on right (laughs) and i i imagine that there was plenty of conversations that nobody would ever talk about because why would you where he was probably I, I am every other team on the grid apart from probably Red Bull and Mercedes but maybe even yeah. them every other team would love to have Leclerc right like all of them and so if he he can literally be like look I know I have this contract but like you guys are you're <laughs> this needs to change or I'm out. You know, maybe he had one of those conversations. Yeah, no, I know. I think it had a lot to do with it. I think yeah. it had a lot to do because it and it just shows that who won the battle. Yeah. I, I think you have Bonotto and Leclerc that they, they must have had at some level some a little bit of an adversarial relationship. Yeah. And guess who won? Guess who won? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, that's good, because if you have such a high caliber driver as Leclerc, you need to take care of him. You need to. Yes. You need to have him want to drive for you. Right. I think Leclerc and maybe this is my own bias, given, given that he's probably my favorite driver. Right. But I, I think he is. There's like a small handful of drivers. I would I w- would think that there's four drivers currently on the grid that are a cut above all of the rest, and yep. Leclerc is one of those four. Yep, I agree. And so, yeah, you need to keep him around. All right. But anyway, uh, we've rambled for quite a while. Do you want to go ahead and move on to the hot seat? Absolutely. Give me the hot seat question. All righty. So we're going back to the world of trivia for this one, because those are always fun. And, and I'm in the hot seat. I think. You are in the hot seat. Yes, that is <laughs> <All> correct. <right. laughs> I prefer to ask the questions, but go ahead. I'll do my best. Today, we're looking at drivers championships by country. So which country mm. do you think has the most drivers championships okay like nationality of driver yeah the, yeah yeah the, the country where the where they share a nationality okay let me think yeah. about this because we're going back to the hell you know you've got you've got argentina you've got italy i mean the countries that are coming to mind obviously are going to be like germany of course great britain germany and but if i honestly if i'm looking back and this is not because of Hamilton, but Hamilton puts it over the edge, in my opinion. When you look at the other drivers yeah. in the history of Formula One, I would, yeah, if you look at the 70s and the, yeah, I would have to say Great Britain is yeah. got more. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, now, and now I suppose you're going to want me to guess the second yeah. country. <laughs> well, because you, you, you look at, like, Hamilton alone puts them in the top three and then like you right. you then think about like Stuart, Surtees, Hill, 
uh, Nigel Mansell. It's like, you know, you've got all these yeah. other drivers that it's just like, yeah, of course it's yeah, great. Yeah, right, right. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. So to go through them very quickly, you had a guy named Hawthorne in 58, and I don't recognize him. I don't remember him either. <laughs> and then you had, is it Graham Hill in 62 oh, yes. and 68? Okay. Yeah. And then Clark in, uh, Jim Clark. Yes. That would be Jim Clark in yeah, 63 Clark, and 65. Yeah. Right, very popular driver. And then Surtees in 64, and then yep. uh, Jackie Stewart in 69, 71, 73. Oh, I didn't think about him, but yeah, yeah. being Scottish, he would be UK. Okay. Yep. Uh, James Hunt in 76. Yep. Nigel Mansell in 92. Uh, yeah, good old Nigel. Damon Hill, 96. Hamilton yes. in 2008, 2014 through 15, and 17 yeah. through 20. And then yep. Jensen Button in 2009. So that's true. Good old Jensen. Yeah. 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 So that's by far. By far. It's, so, it's actually, it's by far. Yeah. Well, that ends the hot seat question. So you're not going to ask me about number no, two. No, no, no. Who's, no, who's number two? <laughs> <laughs> who's number two? I'm teasing because I can't think it. I was trying to get out of this on top. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Number two. Well, you know, I'm thinking like, just I'm not saying this, but I'm thinking you've got countries like Italy, but then there's France, but then there's Australia, but then there's potentially Brazil, maybe. And there's a big one that you're ignoring. A big one that I'm not Germany? Germany. Is that the Okay. Yeah. Um so for number two, well, I'm gonna have to go with Germany strictly because yep. of Michael Schumacher. Yep. Schumacher Yay! Schumacher and Vettel. Are the only two? Oh, you're right. Actually, right. sorry, Rosberg as well. Nico Rosberg. Yeah, so okay. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, so for a, for a total of twelve, there was a total for the UK. There was a total of twenty championships wow. in the UK, and so number two is twelve, eight down. It's pretty crazy. So and then you're and then I have to pick number three. Well, real quick, Schumacher from ninety four and ninety five, and then two thousand yeah. through two thousand four, and then Vettel from uh, twenty ten through thirteen. And then Nico Rosberg in 2016. So those are all the German drivers. Yeah. Vettel's were all consecutive. They teams, were. All four in a row, yeah. Yeah. And then number three. Yeah, as far as, as third goes, you know what? I might have to. I've got one and two right. Three. <laughs> I I would like to. You'd think it would be Italy, but I'm just trying to think of the. They race a lot there as Ferrari, but I don't. I don't think there's a ton of Formula One guys that are. Um, I'll say Brazil, number three, Brazil. It is Brazil. With, no way. With eight, yes. <laughs> it is Brazil with okay, eight. Okay, that's it. I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm top three. Okay, so who, who wasn't in Brazil other than Senna? So you had Fittipaldi, which I believe is Emerson. Oh, right, Fittipaldi. right. The Fittipaldis are Brazilian. Yeah. I knew I was forgetting the name. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so you, I believe it's it's Emerson Fittipaldi in 72 yeah. and 74. Yeah, and that, then Nelson Piquet in 81, 83, and 87. He is Brazilian, Nelson Piquet, who, by the way, is his daughter is Max Verstappen's girlfriend. That is true, yeah. Yep. And then, uh, of course, my favorite driver of all time, Ayrton Senna, 88, yes. 90, and 91. So. Yeah. Yep. And then number four yeah. is, uh, I'll let you guess this one because it's five titles from one person. Five titles? Yep. And he's solely responsible for the this country being in Oh, <laughs> Argentina. It is Argentina with Juan Manuel Fangio. Juan Manuel Fangio. You know, I would not have guessed that if you hadn't said five titles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. Now that you, yeah, then it's like, oh, okay, that could only be Argentina. Yeah. So. so he won in 51. No, stop it. Okay, I, I will stop it. I will stop, stop. it. But Fangio won in 51, 54 through 57. So. Pretty crazy. Okay. Number five is actually a one, two, three, four-way tie. Okay. Uh, with four titles a pop, and you have like Australia. I can't be expected to know. No, that. no, no. You have Australia, <laughs> Austria, Finland, and France, all with four. Oh. So Australia, you have uh, is it Jack ah, Brabham? Is that is that right, Jack Brabham? Yeah. Yeah, and he was in fifty ninth and sixty and sixty six, and then somebody okay. Jones in eighty. Oh, okay. Uh, in uh, Austria, you had Jochen Rint in seventy, Nikki Lauda in seventy five, seventy seven, and eighty four. Yes, good old Nikki. And then Finland, you had Keke Rosberg in eighty two. Uh, is it Mika Hakkinen? 
Is that right? Yeah, in, Mika Hakkinen. In 98, 99, and then Kimi Raikkonen in 07 for Finland. Right, Kimi. It's funny that you have three Formula One champions from Finland of all places. Where yeah. Where there's like snow all in. I know. But anyway. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And yeah. then uh, France is fourth, and they're all Elaine Prost. <laughs> Okay. So 85, 86, 89, and 93. And then the rest of them, I'm not going to list out all the drivers, but you yeah. have uh, Italy in ninth, which is then ninth, and there's three drivers, Farina and Nascari. You have Netherlands, Spain, and the U.S. all tied for 10th. And Netherlands is entirely Max Verstappen. Spain <laughs> is entirely Fernando Alonso. And yes, then the U.S. Yes, is uh, Phil Hill, I think, and, yeah. and Andretti. Okay. And then a three-way tie for what is then 13th with Canada, New Zealand, and South Africa. So With one. I one assume, a pop. Yeah. So. With okay. uh, Jacques, Jacques Villeneuve or, or G- yeah, Gilles, Gilles Villeneuve. Gilles Villeneuve. One of the two. And then yeah. New Zealand was somebody named Holm in 67. I don't know. And then hmm. South Africa was uh, Schechter. Oh, wow. Schechter, yeah. In 79. So, yeah. yeah he, I think he died young racing. I think he did, yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So. But anyway. anyway, well, that was interesting. That was that was Yeah, so what's cool is like that's all of the countries that have titles. You don't have well, wow. like Mexico has had a couple of of F1 drivers. There's currently one, no titles. Was was France in there? France was in there. That was Elaine Prost and only only Prost. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the two. So one, one guy. One guy, yeah. So, yeah, there's just like, you know, like no nobody from Belgium, nobody from like you can name wow. all of these countries that m- maybe should have drivers from them, but no, no titles. So, yeah, it's interesting. There could have been from Mexico, but that we'll save that for a different discussion. Yeah, could have been, but you know, yeah. well, and, and Perez, Perez, I'm still holding out hope <laughs> he might <Yeah>. do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, the 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 F one facility in Mexico City is named after these two brothers, Ramirez. Oh, Adley, yeah. Right? Okay. Or Rodriguez, and they were they both died in car racing, but oh, uh, one of them in particular, I think there was Peter and somebody else, but but they were they were very very good, but they unfortunately they Man. both died in their twenties, one in the twenties, one in his thirties, I believe, racing. But they could have been, you know, they were. Yeah. All, they were on the way to do it, but that's um, all too common from back in the day. But yeah, but let's uh, let's see. I would love to see Perez get a title. That yeah, I don't see it <laughs> happening against Max, but who knows? You know, yeah, who knows? I I would lo- I would love to see this year, twenty twenty three. I would love to see yeah. Perez win. That would be amazing. But yeah, me too. Anyway, all righty. So I guess that's gonna do it for today. So thanks so much for listening. And we will be back in one week's time with an as yet undetermined topic. So feel free to tune into that. And uh, until then, take care of yourselves.